0: Hello and welcome to the Behind the Box Score podcast. I am your host, Mac Mori, and thank you again for joining us. Week three of the NFL just happened, and now we're reacting to those headlines while simultaneously shaking it off, looking ahead into the blank space that is week four. I'm glad you're all here at the Behind the Box Score podcast, and I hope I left no bad blood between us as I finish this Overly punny and kind of embarrassing intro. Hello! I'm joined by my usual guest, Alex Comas. Alex, what's going on, man? I hope uh, that, you know, you can just kind of get back. Don't blame me. You know, I don't want to be the anti-hero here, Alex. All right, are you done?
1: Did you, did you get all your Taylor Swift puns off your chest? I mean... And so- <laughs> I I wish it could be all sunshine and daisies over here on my side (laughs) with Taylor Swift coming to my games and sitting at two and one looking pretty, but instead I'm one and two and should be grateful we beat the Arizona Cardinals being a Giants fan.
0: Yeah, there you go. Alex, New York Giants, one and two. I, of course, a Kansas City Chiefs fan. The new America's team, I guess. Taylor Swift at the game, just cheering with Travis Kelsey's mom. I just I put it at the top of the doc right before we started because I was like, okay, we need at least talk about this. Um, did it annoy you at all, Alex? The just being inundated with Taylor Swift screaming at Arrowhead Stadium.
1: I, I mean, it didn't it didn't bother me during the game, really. Uh, I think it was just more social media because then, like, I yes. I don't think I ever realized Taylor Taylor Swift's fan base, like, how massive it is. And all of a sudden, I started getting like Taylor Swift fan base like tweets coming across my timeline I'm just I was I was getting annoyed by that but other than that I, I mean I, I just don't care
0: yeah same I think it's pretty cool obviously as a Chiefs fan and like it's it's fun Taylor Swift's at the game it's like America's biggest couple right now I don't know if they're a couple but you know what I mean I will say for those of you who are annoyed get used to it uh Chiefs next week is at the New York Jets where does Taylor Swift play next weekend New York City, so I think she's going to be at that game. Um, okay, that's enough on the Trey Trey talk. Do you like that? Do you like that nickname, Trey Trey? I think that's pretty Trey, good. Trey Trey,
1: would it would it be Tay <laughs> Trey?
0: Tay Trey is good too. I don't know. I mean, we trailer. I mean, we could we could we could keep going. Oh but yeah. That's not what that's not what behind the box score is for. We're going to actually talk some stats now. But I just want to started with that kind of crazy phenomenon that happened over the past couple of days. So. Recording this on Tuesday, September 26th. You're probably listening to this. At least will come out Wednesday. So we're now going to start off with Monday Night Football. Again, another doubleheader. I didn't hate it as much as the first one. It's starting to grow on me, but I'd rather also just have one Monday Night Football game. I don't know about you.
1: Well, when you look at next week's schedule, you'd wish that there were two games. <laughs> So I'll, why is that?
0: Why is that, Alex? Please indulge us. Oh, uh,
1: because Bears Broncos, Mac, and yes. no one is going to watch that game.
0: Yes, this will set football back hundreds of years. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic.
1: <laughs> it's which team wants to start the season 0 and 10? That is that exactly. is what Monday Night Football is next week.
0: If you listen to episode two of BTB, I talked about how the Broncos have a very legitimate chance at starting this season 0 and 10. We're going to get to that a little bit later, though. Uh, just touch on it. Um, and how trash the donkeys are, how much fun um, the greatest show on surf is. I saw that on Twitter somewhere. Greatest show on surf. That's pretty cool. The dolphins are super fun. 70 points. Anyways, Monday night football doubleheader. We had the bucks and Eagles and the Bengals visited the Los Angeles or or, excuse me, the Rams visited the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Let's start with bucks, Eagles, a little bit less to break down here. It was kind of an obvious mismatch. The bucks Gave a valiant effort, made a couple of mistakes early on on offense with some drops from Mike Evans, a couple of bad decisions from Baker Mayfield. Kind of just kept them out of this game against what is a fantastic team. We've talked about them the first two weeks on the pod, Alex, about how they've kind of started off slow, the Philadelphia Eagles, that is, on offense kind of just have looked different. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know if different's always bad. They're running the ball down people's throats. It's absolutely just annihilating them on the ground. And I was just thinking about it. I mean, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, decent offensive line, very good defense, and overall, just on all three levels, they've been a more than solid unit um, for the past couple of years. But does anyone even else contend with the Philadelphia Eagles in the trenches? Like, is anyone even in the atmosphere of of competing with that on both sides?
1: Yeah, yeah on both sides of the ball. I, I, the only two teams that I, I think of right now are the Dallas Cowboys when their offensive line is healthy, all right? I, I just want to put that out there because this week they were missing two offensive linemen, and look what happened. They lose to Arizona. Uh, And I think mm-hmm. – I, I, I don't remember exactly – you know, who was missing from that offensive line. But I know as a whole, when they're healthy offense, the Dallas Cowboys have one of the better offensive lines in of the league. And then I'd say the only other team are the Miami Dolphins. I, I think their front mm. seven is, is much improved. They've really worked on improving that the last couple of years years um, and their offensive line as well. They've had to beef up protection to keep S- Tua healthy. Um And they've been missing Armstead through two weeks and yet they're still or I should say through three weeks. I'm sorry, uh, but they've been missing Armstead the last three weeks, and they're still protecting two at a great um, it, to great success. So for me, those are the only two teams right now. I think a lot of people would say the Niners too. But yeah, you I think look so. Niners, I was kind of
0: waiting for that. I was kind of waiting for yeah. that mention.
1: But when you look at the Niners so far this season, they rank middle of the table in terms of pass protection. They've been able to run the ball at a very high rate. Um, but when you look at their pass protection, they've given up. Brock Purdy has taken on six sacks so far this season. Ranks in the middle of the table as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Um, but their their O line as a unit ranks 17th in the league um, with a 6.19 sack percentage. So they they sit you know right around there in the in the middle of the league um, in pass protection. I you know can that be improved from there? Yes. Um, but for me, that's that's why I'm I'm not going to put my name down on the Niners right now I I just feel a lot more confident with the way that Cowboys had been rolling rolling into week three um, when healthy as well as the way the Dolphins have been playing through three games
0: yeah I completely agree I love the Miami Dolphins take I think that's actually going under the radar right now I mean the Dolphins on both sides of the ball and this is without Ramsey there are are seriously scary it was something that uh, I talked about in my preseason predictions. This is a Super Bowl tier like team. We're going to get to them later, so I, I like that that mention there as the trenches. But when you talk about Philadelphia with the big guys, uh, where, where they're getting down and dirty, I mean, it's it's not really just about the starting. You know, it, for the offensive line, sure, that starting five, but that's what it's all about, and they've got some good depth behind there. But when the def- when you talk about the defensive line of the Philadelphia Eagles, the reason I think no one will compare to them is not because you couldn't put together four better starters on one team. The Niners, you mentioned the Dolphins, there's other teams there. The, the Browns should be in this discussion as far as the trenches are concerned. You could maybe absolutely put together right. four better players, but five, six, seven, eight? You can't compete. I mean, there, there are starters that are third stringers for this Philadelphia Eagles defensive line right now. It's absolutely asinine the talent that they have on that side of the football. So I, I I'm excited to see where they can go. I don't think Brian Johnson's completely figured out the offense. Jalen hurts. Doesn't look like he did quite last year, but I think we're landing kind of where we are, Alex. I, I'm not worried about them. They're going to be fine. And they did what they needed to do against an inferior team, not a bad team in Tampa Bay, but just a simply inferior opponent.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jalen hurts threw two picks last night. Like that, this offense yep. hasn't yeah. hasn't clicked from start to finish in a single game yet this season. And yet they're sitting at three and zero. So for them to be looking that way, and we all see it, that they're not looking like they're not humming like the offensive offensive unit that they were last season. Um, I think speaks volumes to the capability of this team because uh, they're still pulling out wins. Um, but I I want to get back on the Bucks point because I, I think t- saying the Bucks offensive line being decent i like the last two seasons that's been their biggest weakness within their team um and i think going into this season too you look at the opponents that they had faced going into this eagles games they had faced the vikings defense and they had faced the bears defense um and when you look at trash and
0: okay yeah
1: yeah i I mean the vikings through three games have six total team sacks um which is toward the bottom of the league and the Mm -hmm. chicago bears defense you know how many sacks they've totaled so far through three games?
0: One. How many? Mac. Whew. One. Ugh. They don't have anyone to speak of on that side. They, on any side of the ball. They have no talent. They've no noteworthy players. It's uh it's that's a sad story right now in Chicago. No, that's fair. You're right. The Bucks offensive line, you're you're I probably misspoke there. I would probably be going back to two seasons till that was really a unit that they were proud to speak of, and especially with the Jensen loss up front and up center, uh, losing Jensen's a huge play.
1: I, I was going to say the Bucks, the Bucks, like you know, you face the Eagles, who uh, you know we were just talking about. They've got the best, you know, offensive line and defensive line in the league, right? The, they're the best in the trenches in the league. Like the Bucs are going to start facing those tests because when you look ahead to Week Four, they face the Saints defense that have played great. Uh, so far this season. They, Saints defense has been great the last two years as well going into this year. So it, it's going to be a good test for them, especially when they get into the division because the Saints are going to be the toughest opponent that they have within that division. Um, Falcons defense has been very average um, so far to start the year and the Panthers have looked terrible. Um, so for the Bucks, especially to pull out the wins that they had, uh, especially week one, because I don't think we any of us thought that they would go into Minnesota and win week one. For them to pull out that win and and still look the way they have so far this season, which I think is a a surprise to many of us because not a lot of us had these kind of expectations with Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Um, But for them to look the way they have, I definitely think that going to the division, they have to feel very confident in their ability to still come out of there as division winner when their only opponent is the Saints. And Saints quarterback just got hurt this weekend as Derek Carr landed on his shoulder pretty badly. And it looks like he's going to be out for a good bit.
0: Yeah, it looks like he's going to miss it. Uh, The reason uh, next week, he's week to week right now with that shoulder injury, they luckily for them do have one of the better backups in the league in Jameis Winston, so he can at least make that a game. Okay, come on, man. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. This is Jameis versus Baker, honestly. Uh, like I I guess I'm kind of – this is a blessing in disguise for me. Just kind of peel back the curtain here. Started the podcast a little bit later than I wanted to. I wanted to start it before the season started. So I was coming up with, you know, good off-season topics. And I'll tell you what, man, one that I had written down, and I'm kind of glad that it didn't happen because Baker's looked good, but was basically how many how many quarterbacks are better than Baker in the league? Because I am a Baker Mayfield absolute. I'll just be candid. I, I, I'm i a hater, man. I, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's... Uh, an average starter uh, or even below average starter. He's starting to prove me wrong a little bit, but we're three weeks in and the Baker mayhem, the Baker chaos that'll probably come later in the season, but I got to give him his flowers. It's been, it's, he's been poised. He's obviously made some mistakes, um, but he's, he's better than I give him credit for. But yeah, you're right. You got some blessing in disguise. Cause I, I I was going to talk about how Baker's probably the 35th best quarterback in the league. And he probably looks a little better than that right now. (laughs) Just yeah, a little.
1: But, and, and look, I'll, I'll say on, on the Jameis Winston front from one of the better backups in the league, yeah, you you could definitely say that because when you look at Zach Wilson as the backup going into the season, when you compare those two, I mean... Yes. Yeah, well, everyone would rather have Jameis Winston. And a lot of those situations, too, you'd rather have Jameis Winston, so you're I right. I mean, the
0: Jets just signed Trevor Simeon, and honestly, I think I'd rather have Simeon. And that and he is uh, god-awful. Absolutely Wait, business. Wait, over, so. over Baker? Zach Wilson.
1: Okay, over Zach Wilson. Yeah,
0: over Zach Wilson. Yo yo, okay. come on. All right, I didn't know if your hater.
1: your Baker hate went that far.
0: No, and again, I got I got to give him some flowers. He's proving me wrong right now. He's looked good. Uh, all right, let's go over to the other game: Bengals Rams. And this was a weird game, and and obviously as a Chiefs fan, just going to naturally root for uh, the team that's facing the Bengals. You know, it's just one of my you know top opponents as a Chiefs fan. That's a team that we've We've played twice in a row in the AFC Championship game. Seeing them lose it is good for the future of my football team. You know, absolutely. Um, Joe Burrow played. I, I thought Joe Burrow looked about 70% to me. I thought him in the pocket was good, but when he had to kind of maneuver and get outside, that mobility looked like it was ailing a little bit. And very it showed the first. Yeah, very, exactly. Very limited. Uh, they kind of were going through it in the replays. Just getting that ball out of his hands in under 2.5 seconds seemed to be the big goal. And they, for the most part, they were able to succeed in that. There were a couple moments. I mean, he threw the ball like 46 times. It was something. I mean, he threw the ball a lot more than you'd think someone should throw it. 49 times he threw the ball. Uh, so it's a lot for a guy who was maybe 70%. No first-half touchdown for the Bengals yet, Alex. No first-half touchdown this season. They have three touchdowns this year. Right now, and I know they won that game. A good win, I guess. This is fine win. Nineteen sixteen, able to eke it out. But this offense has some serious issues right now.
1: Yeah, and and it looks like this week the game plan was to get the ball in Jamar Chase's hands because um, we we talked about it in the last episode, Mac, how Mac, how Jamar Chase was not getting the ball enough. Um, I, th- I think he was coming down with five six catches in the last two games. And for a guy like that, who's one of the better wide receivers in the league. Uh, probably number two right behind Justin Jefferson, you've got to get him the ball more um, and, th- and they certainly made that an effort this week um, as he came down with 12 catches for 141 and was clearly making a difference. Uh, but uh, like you said, I mean Joe, for me I-, I think it was for one that mobility wasn't there right when he when he had to escape mm-hmm. the pocket and-, and make something of it, you could tell he's very limited and was just would rather just get rid of the ball and just throw it away. Than try to make something of nothing, um, and also too just on his throws, his his accuracy is not there. When you go twenty six for forty nine, you know clearly for a guy like that who's who's considered a, you know top ten quarterback in this league, that that's just not that that's not the type of numbers that you'd expect from from a guy who just took him to the Super top Bowl face this Rams team two years ago.
0: Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. T- Joe no, no, Burrow no, no, top, top ten, 10 let, let, quarterback? Yeah, yeah, no top five, top three. Yeah, yeah, that, oh, yeah, that's where he's yeah. at. Yes. he's a, he's yeah. a, he's a tier or two above those guys. Like this is mm-hmm. this is we're separating classes here. So I, I'm just make sure. And and the and the higher you are on that list for me, uh, the more critical I am. So yeah, top ten. You know, if you were Kirk Cousins, twenty six for forty nine, yeah, he might be a top ten quarterback. Dak Prescott might be a top ten quarterback. They are classes below the guys of Josh Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. So that's so yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just even kind of hitting them a little bit harder there.
1: But Mac, the, like the biggest thing to me is, is a, through the three games for the Bengals, I've watched them run so many sh- short out routes, you know, going to the sideline with Jamar, with t- last night with Tyler Boyd um, near the end zone. And Joe Burrow is so off on those throws. Like it, not even close. Like he's throwing it at the pylon. He's throwing it five yards wide of the re- wide receiver. Like, I don't know if it's just that calf; he can't step through fully on his throws, and he's taking something off of it. But the accuracy is just not there with with this leg injury, and and you could clearly see it. Um, and it, you know, you look at the third, the late third quarter. You know, the offensive line broke down, got rushed. He threw the ball away. I think he was getting chased by Aaron Donald, and you could see when he was tra- escaping the pocket and just getting rid of the ball, he was grimacing. As soon as that play finished, he was grimacing. And it, it makes me wonder, just, you know, how many more games is he going to be able to hold up? Uh, because, you know, for the most part, I think they kept they, they kept a pretty clean pocket for him last night. Uh, but when you play in a division like the AFC North, um, with a Ravens team, with a Steelers team, and a Browns team that looked great defensively um, these these last three weeks... You know you're you're going to be facing them twice this season, um, and they've already gotten the the Browns matchup out of the way. But I, I don't I don't feel confident about Joe being able to make it through the whole year. Uh, with with just you can clearly see this calf is affecting him. You sit him. That that's the thing. You, you sit him and you go with Jake Browning, and you're just shooting your team in the foot. So would you take a seventy percent Joe Burrow over a hundred percent Jake Browning, and they they really have no choice. This team is built to win now. They can't afford to sit Joe Burrow um for the betterment of his health because this team they they put themselves in a hole going 0 and 2 to start the season. You know, you can't you can't afford to just give up games and take a chance on Jake Browning.
0: And that's an indictment against Cincinnati, I think, for sure. Y- you knew about this injury before the season started questionable to even start the season was Joe Burrow. Obviously we hear a week or so before he's good to go. And I was always a little bit questionable about, okay, how good to go really is he there's, I'm not going to say there's a bunch of good backups in the league. That's, that's a little too general of a statement. There's a lot of veteran guys in the league who can step into a system and go complete some passes right off the bat. And maybe if your defense plays well, you run the ball with a good running back, like Joe Mixon, you have a, a solid play caller with Zach Taylor You can win a game or two. You can get by for a few weeks, maybe a month. There's guys in the league that they could have signed to do that. That could have been their game plan. And now, you're right, Alex, their game plan is hope Joe Burrow can mend this injury as the season goes on, playing week in, week out, taking those hits from guys like Aaron Donald. It's going to be hard. Um, They ran the ball 23 times to try to mitigate some of that Uh, you know, punishment that he was going to have to take. They had the ball a lot more because uh, the Rams just decided to, you know, keep giving them the ball. Uh, Matthew Stafford with two interceptions, uh, some three and outs, some really bad play calls. They had four red zone trips, the Rams did. Four red zone trips. They only came away with one score there at the end. The the Rams one for 11 on third down. They allowed six sacks. So let's give credit to the Bengals there. They needed their defense to play well. Last night for them to win Joe Burrows ailing, you know, T Higgins had an off night, a couple of weird drops. He has not looked good yet this season.
1: He got injured too. At one point went back to the locker Mm. room. He, he was, he was off too. They just haven't looked functional. Like it's just, they, they look almost like they're sleepwalking out there through three weeks. It's just, it's not what, what at all I, I, I expected because I believe Going into our, going into our pre or I should say post week one, how we thought the season was going to shake out. I had the Bengals down as a four seed, winning ten games this year. (laughs) You think I'm confident in that now? I mean, I
0: would, I would, I would still be. Ten games is good. I mean, I, I had them. I think as I, I have to look just to make sure here, real quick. Uh, I think I had them as the first seed. Uh, you'll have to go to my Twitter. Go to my Twitter, MacJMori25, and you can see all my preseason predictions. But I'm pretty sure I had them like 13-4 and four as the one seed. Uh, so, no, I'm in a worse position than you, Alex. I actually feel not bad about your prediction. I think Cincinnati can obviously still write this ship. Um, and I think it's going to be on that the backs of that defense that we just mentioned. Rams 111 on third down. They were sacked six times. One for four in the red zone. Really good job by Cincinnati, and that is because of a name that we'll bring up a lot on this podcast, I'm sure, for the foreseeable future because of the situation they're in and the defense is going to be more in the spotlight. Lou Anarumo. I mean, this guy should have been a head coach last season, should have been a head coach the season before. Uh, This is ridiculous. This guy is an absolute mastermind, the way he puts people in positions that they don't want to be in, and they don't even know that they're in them. I mean, there was one of those disguised blitzes, uh, I can't remember the cornerback that was coming off the edge for the Cincinnati Bengals, but you see Matthew Stafford in kind of this boot rollout look, and he doesn't see that safety or that corner come down, and he kind of has to sidestep, and then he kind of sidearms baseball throw. Classic Stafford looks super awesome as it's right next to Logan Wilson for, dude, did you see, did you hear that stat? Nine picks or three more interceptions than any other linebacker in the league since 2020? Logan Wilson, he has nine interceptions. So yeah, but Lou Anarumo created that whole play. He, he created all of that. He, he, he's got these packages, and he knows how to put these young athlete, athletic guys in the right spot. This is a Cincinnati team that's not drafting in the top 10 each year. They're not trading up and getting these you know blue-chip household name guys. Uh, and even like Trey Hendrickson, finally starting to rise up into that sort of echelon, Um, Two sacks last night, absolute beast, and he does it in kind of an unorthodox way. He's not overpowering people. He's just fast, quick hands, and absolutely relentless, fun to watch. And I think uh, Big Lou is is a huge part of that. So that's something to watch when you watch that Bengals team, and you're noticing that they're holding teams to to maybe not what they were, and you're like, what, didn't they lose both their starting safeties last year? You go, yes, they actually did. Lou Anarumo can just make it work. That's what's going to keep happening, I think, with them. You got anything else to add on that game, Alex? Any other thoughts? I, I really like the second half, too, uh, because for Ooh. for
1: both those teams that they were possessions away from from for the Bengals really sealing that game and and kind of just having to close it out or the Rams, you know, taking the lead um, and having the momentum and to watch both those defenses, um, particularly their coordinators, Raheem Morris dialing up some great play call play calling as well, who I think should also be in the head coaching discussion um, Agreed. for some for some jobs next year. You know, watching both those defenses last night, I, I think a lot more, we should give a lot more credit to those defenses because they both played well last night. But I do agree that both the offenses also looked off. Uh, Stafford did not look good. I mean, he had Puka wide open for a touchdown late that would have saved yeah. them about 30, 45 seconds in time late in that game if he just hit him in stride for a touchdown and he threw it behind him. Puka falls, and it takes them two plays after that to be able to score.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I, watching that live, I didn't think about the throw being a huge issue there, but you're right. That's absolutely why he had to fall down. Defense presence was there. He fell down, and yeah, he got touched right away. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. That, that sort of altered the whole rest of their game plan right there. If they score there, that's a completely different outlook. That's a good point.
1: And, and then, too, like the, it was first and goal, and they ran the ball ran the ball, didn't get into yeah. the end zone, and then killed 20, 30 seconds of time. It's it just, I, I agree with it. the play calling from McVay yesterday. There were there were some questionable ones, but to segue perfectly uh, into yes. one of our next segments, not the worst play call of the weekend,
0: Mac. <laughs> Beautiful segue, Alex. Your headset should be Taking My Order, Not Calling Plays. That's this segment. It's a working title. Please uh, email us at bboxscore at gmail.com. For any other great segment names, bboxscore at gmail.com. We'd love to take suggestions there on any other segments or a, a name for this. But, man, there were some absolute debacles this weekend as far as just a head coaching perspective. Let's start, Alex, with the... Vikings, and Chargers game. This was an 0-2 matchup. We, li- we previewed it for a quick second on the pod last week saying, okay, who's going to go out 0-3? One of these teams are going to lose. Here we go. We know it's going to come down to the last possession. Both these teams are idiotic. Both of them will have chances to win, and they'll both give it away at least once. And Brandon Staley tried to. He absolutely tried to give this game away. A Justin Herbert masterclass. A Keenan Allen record-breaking type game. And Brandon Staley almost just completely threw it away. Uh, so fourth and one LA, LA's at their own 24 under two minutes to go. And it's fourth and one and they go for it. They go for it. I mean, it, it's kind of just like, wait, what is, is this Madden? First off, Alex, how do you feel just about that decision? Would you have gone for it? You're Owen to you're the chargers. You're Brandon Staley on the hot seat and you're playing a Vikings team. That's, you know, been able to move the ball, you know decently efficiently especially if they start at the red zone what are you, what are you doing there
1: uh punting the ball mac <laughs> it's they, they, there's all, there should be one answer to that question thank you You're thank da- you they're down they're down a touchdown you say hey let's just give them the ball right in the red zone if we don't convert this explain to me the decision making in that i i just don't understand it and honestly when when they Went for it on fourth down. I just sat there and I go, he's he's asking to get fired if they don't get this. He's asking to get fired if they don't get this. Sure enough, they don't convert it. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's getting fired on Monday. This, this is going to be un- <laughs> this immediately. It? I mean, after the game, Mac, I texted you, you know, saying that we definitely have to talk about it because we were just talking Chargers last week. And I was like, oh, boy, we're going to have fun with this about how Brandon Staley should be fired and he got so lucky the vikings did not score because that that's got to be the worst decision i've ever seen from a coach in the national football league for all the years i've been watching that, that that's got to be the most the, that's that's the worst decision There's there's no question about it even even and we'll get into it the,
0: sunday night there was a questionable I was one stay. I was going to say there's some other questionable ones this just this week alone, but you're right. I I was kind of just jaw dropped and you know, I've got an older brother who's a huge analytics guy, stats guy, you know, uh, got his master's in data science, things like that, you know, so he knows these sorts of numbers and he's like, yeah, go for it, man. And you know, the analytics guys on Twitter would agree with him. And I I can't understand why Alex, I really don't know. So I'm going to have him on the pod in a couple of weeks and we're going to just talk analytics and maybe I can wrap my head around some of this nonsense. I don't think so. Because you know what? Like most people, I just, you know, I know football. I, I could go out there and call plays. And I'm not calling that play, Alex. I'm not. Ugh, and, and it's Matt, ridiculous. Matt,
1: I, I don't, look, I, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head. But, you know, I've listened to podcasts this week, Dan Levitard's show with, with Stu Gotts. Since 2020, mm. Justin, Justin Herbert has the most, The the Chargers, out of all the teams in the league, they have the most games in which they've lost going into the fourth quarter with a lead. By since twenty twenty, they have blown the most leads in the fourth quarter. I I mean, no wonder. And we were talking about uh, Justin Herbert. You know, we're questioning when is he going to, you know, if he's considered one of the better quarterbacks in this league. You know, why aren't they winning more games? Why isn't he putting together? um these type of game winning drives to, to to just take them over the edge to win games. And we said, you know, I jokingly said it's part of the Chargers tradition, right? To lose those close games like Philip Rivers did. <laughs> yep. But let me tell you, Justin Herbert's coach is not doing them any favors. <laughs> They're finding new ways to try and lose games every single week. And and this was prime example A right here.
0: Yeah, it, it absolutely was. No, it is is exactly what we talk about and why Herbert deserves a, a little bit of, you know, for me especially, I started to go on him last week, but again, I did go back to Staley is the ultimate reason that these things happen, and, and this is why they lose games. Somehow, uh, the Vikings fuck it up even more. They couldn't get, you know, 25 yards in a minute and 50 seconds, and the game ends, and Justin Herbert finally gets that win, and a huge win, obviously, you, you know, going 0-3 in the AFC, kind of a nail in the coffin unless you are the Cincinnati Bengals who just kind of get the benefit of the doubt and they've been there and they've done that. The Chargers have done anything but go anywhere and do anything of substance. They've been, uh, obviously, Kind of a laughing stock, um, and not in the way that they're going zero and sixteen, but in the way that they're going nine and eight when they should be, or ten and seven when they should be going twelve and five, thirteen and four, and Herbert should be in MVP conversations. And you've got Khalil Mack and Bosa coming off of the edge, and you've got a, a linebacker and Kenneth Murray. You, you've got these things. You have a healthy scratch and J.C. Jackson last week, and I know there's some stuff going on. He's in trouble with the law. He missed a court date, so obviously some more uh, details have come out about that, but. Uh man, yeah, the Chargers and Brandon Staley get saved from an absolute in- in- embarrassing loss and, you know, something that's fun, you know, obviously the Vikings last year, the kings of winning these one possession games, and now Minnesota 0 and 3 all one possession games. Crazy how that works.
1: I mean, it's just please, let's get let's get to the the Raiders game. Let's get to the Josh McDaniels decision.
0: Please tell us Let's go. Give me the stat. I mean, all I see in the doc is you've got an insane Josh McDaniel stat. I know he was complete trash, and we're going to get into the specifics of it, but let's give me the stat.
1: Okay, so as we all know, the Las Vegas Raiders were down eight um, to the Steelers in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter. The Raiders decide to kick a field goal with the Josh McDaniel stat. The Raiders are the only NFL team to attempt a field goal in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter when down by exactly eight points with less than five yards to go for a first down slash touchdown. Oh, my God. Since the two-point conversion was (laughs) adopted in 1994. That is via stats
0: on Twitter. Wow. What's crazy is they went for it right before they had they had already gotten, uh, you know, an eight-point score. They, they, they got a touchdown. They had to go for a fourth down and four, I believe it was, to go then score the six points. They went for two to then get down eight. So you're down, you get down eight, and you go, well, we just got eight points. Instead of trying to get another eight points, let's kick a field goal and then stop them and then get the ball back to then go get the lead again. With maybe having, I think they had 12 seconds when they got the ball back. It's, well, it's, yeah, because it's, they, it's the crazy. Steelers got a first down. Yep, that, that's that's another game where you just you bring up Sean McVay's decisions. I think they should have won that game, and I think it's the same thing with the Raiders. Josh McDaniels, I multiple times, multiple times where they could have taken an advantage, taken some momentum away, and obviously the Steelers defense has a lot to do with that. But man. It's just frustrating. You watch this and you go, uh, these aren't the issues that I think I'd be struggling with. Because trust me, there'd be a lot of things that I'd have no idea the first step as head coach. But I feel like this clock management stuff, man, let's go through it. Let's go through the scenarios because we can. We can do it. We say, hey, when we're down eight and there's under two minutes on the clock and there's a fourth down, what are we doing? What's our plan? What's our defense good at? Can we stop a, a team in under 30 seconds? Do we have timeouts? What do the timeouts mean for us? what analytically are we looking at what percentage of wind change a differential there do i need to see for me to make a certain decision these things are infuriating because you should just have and i know and again i'm going to get it in with my with my brother in a few weeks just about what are they looking at what 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 sort of options are they you know deciphering through i i, I just i want to know more about this cuz it's it just leaves you going what the actual fuck Mac, the, how did you both do that these
1: decisions it's like you, you don't even have to dive deep into the analytics of it. It's just common sense. No. You're down eight. You're within the five-yard line. Why why are you not trying to score and then get the two-point conversion? Because if you convert that, then it's a tie ball game. Then you don't have to worry about getting a stop and, using, and conserving all your timeouts. Because guess what? If you don't, when I say get a stop, I mean stop them in three downs and force them to, to turn the ball over via punt. Instead, you're forcing them to drive down the field to be able to kick a field goal to beat you. You know, it, it just doesn't doesn't make any sense. Same thing on the brand the brand front, like we talked about. Like, what if you don't convert? It, you you have to look at the cost benefit of it. The Raiders had absolutely nothing to lose by if by going for it on fourth down. There's no you you can say, all right, well there there we go. We didn't convert on fourth down. We lost the game right there. You know, no one's saying that. Oh, you should have gone for the safer option and kicked the field goal. Every, you know, I I feel like all coaches in that league are going to be saying go for it on fourth down. I I just don't understand the thought process on that one. Same thing on the Staley process. You you know, for these guys to be appointed as head coaches, you're, you know, we expect them to be some of the brightest guys in the league, right? Guys who are great leaders and can lead a football team. And it, it it's insane that. You and I could be sitting here on our podcast and go, yeah, we're smarter than those guys. Because it just doesn't make any sense. And and
0: it's like, and it doesn't make sense. And I know I'm not. And I'm not one of those guys. Oh, man, I could go coach the team. But Jesus, man, these decisions. uh, It's a decision you make. It it boggles my mind. It is. It is. It's a decision. You go, boom, Madden, I'm going for this. And then I get the stop. If I don't get it, hopefully get the ball back. If not, GG's. Because there's no way I'm winning the other the other direction. And and it's like, you need to get the fourth down conversion. Then you need to go score the six points. Then you need the two point. Those are three things that I need. With this other way, I got to make the field goal. I've got to get the stop. I got to have enough time. And then I've got to drive to go get a touchdown. Like all of those things, first of all, the quantity, and then the quality of those things, they're just, they're just harder. It, it's, just, it's just so much, you're putting yourself in a much more difficult situation And, man, I'm getting riled up. Josh McDaniels, you you sat behind Bill Belichick for God knows how long. You didn't learn jack shit.
1: And he got his chance with the Broncos, and he was notoriously hated by that whole team.
0: Will Josh McDaniels be a head coach next year? No. Yeah, I don't know. He shouldn't be, but he shouldn't have been this year. And I know they gave him this chance with Jimmy G, and I I think that's why I'm going to also say no. I think this was their last ride. Hey, we're going to give you your guy. You you want Jimmy Garoppolo? We're going to give you him. We already got you Devontae Adams. Show us something. And and to be fair, offensively, there's been moments, but these are the times as a head coach where you have to to capitalize and make the right choice. And even if you don't win, you go, okay, hey, we made the right decision there. We can step forward and, and see what we can do. Okay, let's go into something a little more fun, okay? Because there was some fun football. There was some stuff that made us smile this weekend, Alex, and uh, especially me, you know, uh, AFC West, uh, you know, member as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you know, hate the Denver Broncos. Went through it last week. I think there's a chance they go 0-10. And, man, they're making me look real smart here because they just allowed 70 points against... I said earlier, the greatest show on surf, the Miami dolphins. This is the most fun team to watch in football right now. And I'm not, I was going to ask it like a question. It is. It's the most fun team to watch right now in football. They have, I, I don't remember the exact stat, but I saw it. The fastest uh, run times for the Miami dolphins or, or for the league. Um, and like the six fastest are Miami dolphins players. As far as just tracked miles per hour, how fast you were on the field. It's like Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, Merheem Rostert, Devana Chen. Uh, A-Chan. I've always said a chain but now he wants it A-Chan, which is totally fine. So Devon A-Chan, uh, and then you'll Waddle. It's like just, they have all the speed. They have the fun coach in Mike McDaniels, who used to be the ball boy for the Denver Broncos. The Broncos would not give him an interview to be a head coach, so he stuck the middle finger right up to them, and they downed them 70-20, to 726 total yards in this game. Dude, that's more than the Jets and the Titans have had all season. <laughs> like, that's seven yards less than the Bengals have had all season.
1: I mean, I'm speechless. I I, I was speechless at just watching it, because yeah, <laughs> for one, I looked at it as, dang, Mac Moorey per- crossed them off last week. He's going to get a lot of points for this because he he had them yeah. early as not as not making the playoffs, and for their defense <laughs> to just completely collapse, uh, was. Truly quite spectacular, but also, too, it, this Dolphins team is fun to watch. What I've, what I've really liked about McDaniel's scheme is just how much movement they they have from their wide receivers, um, you know, pre-snap. Um, they're moving Tyreek Hill constantly um, from side to side, so it's hard for, you know, you had Patrick Sertan, who was shadowing Tyreek Hill on Sunday, and it equated to nothing. Um,
0: it didn't matter. It didn't matter at all.
1: I, I think, and I, we'll have to double check this, but I think t- I saw a statistic in which for the times in which Patrick Sertan was covering Tyree Kill, I think Tyree Kill finished with five yards, for five receptions for 66 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so didn't, didn't work out wow. too well for them, it, not to mention the 70 points that they gave up. But I mean, this Dolphins offense is so fun to watch because, they just have so many dynamic weapons, um, and for a guy like Tua, it, it's it's so easy for him because he just he just has to be accurate with the ball, and that's that's his biggest strength as a quarterback is his accuracy level. Exactly, so it's it's a dream come true for them, and their their offensive line is great too this season. So, offensively, you know they're they're the best offense in the league. There's been question marks about their defense so far, and you know, I feel like they really stepped up to the plate, but at the same time, the Broncos offense has not looked great. The season we talked about it last episode, how they've been mainly a first quarter offensive team and they've just fallen off from that point on. Um, And, you know, they did, the Dolphins defense did let let up points late um, when they started kind of bringing in some backups, getting them some playing time, but still, I, I I'm interested to see once they face another high powered offense, How would go because we saw the Chargers game week one very close game uh, amongst them, you know, the Pats and and the Broncos have not been good offensively. So I'm interested to see how the Dolphins perform against high powered offensive teams. And we'll see that this week when they face off against the Bills. Yep.
0: And face off the Buffalo Bills who have looked fantastic. That division obviously. Uh, due to the Aaron Rodgers injury just that's never not going to be devastating that that division's kind of a, now a two-headed monster with the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets you're right that's going to be a great matchup really excited to see that um, just going on a little bit more of these stats here Raheem Mostert had 45 fantasy points and he was not the highest scoring running back on the team <laughs> like it's, it's nuts dude uh, Devon A. Chan uh, Texas A&M Aggie alum he's a rookie um, and his whole thing was explosive play super fast. He had not been really used at all. He had a couple carries and a reception uh the the, the first two games of the season. he'd just been kind of just threw him out there at the end of the game, sort of thing, not really a part of the offense. And then all of a sudden you got some injuries in the running back room for the Dolphins, and Mike McDaniels just kind of unleashes him, gives him 40-ish percent of the snaps and says, Go. And they have the most points in a game in team history, most total yards in a game in team history. And I say most points, it's I, it's second, technically, the 1940s. There was someone who scored 73, but uh, it's the most for me. It's the most. Uh, there was one thing, though, Alex, that kind of upset me a little bit here because it was the whole thing after the game of the Dolphins kind of being, oh, well, you know, we, we kind of wanted to let off the gas. You heard Mike McDaniel came. It felt like chasing points. Chasing a record is not what we came here to do. Ten, ten times out of ten, you concede and kneel down because obviously – they could have kept going and, and and tied the record, had the chance to possibly break that record of 73 points. And, and you know, that kind of just feels like bullshit to me. You scored 70 points in the National Football League. What do you mean? If you wanted to stop, you could have stopped. We saw the Kansas City Chiefs stop. They scored 34 points in the half, and then they pulled out Patrick Mahomes after a drive in the third quarter. They pulled out Travis Kelsey. They started playing some second-string uh, defensive players, and they pulled back. That's what you do. If you want to chase the record, then you keep your guys in the whole game, which is what you did, Mike McDaniel. So so don't come at it again and say, yeah, just we didn't want to do that. Felt like chasing points. Felt like uh, you don't. You, you, 10 times out of 10, you concede and kneel down. Well, you already didn't do that when you decided to score 70 points. You didn't do that. You looked like Oregon's coach going up against Deion Sanders. You know, watch the second half. We're going to keep doing that, which I love that energy. That's great. But then own up to it. You scored 70 fucking points well, why not? What are you doing? I mean, if it's 45, it's 50, it's a different thing, you know, and then you had an explosion, you brought some different guys in and you, you know, you you saw what Mike White could go do with your offense, which by the way, would have been a fantastic, you know, just from a strategic point of view would have loved to see him actually get some reps for that team with to his injury history. There, there's no telling that, you know, maybe it would be Mike White stepping in for a couple game stretch. That could have been that scenario where he could have gotten some reps with those guys um, so that was a little annoying. Um, well, before you, we get you out mentioned of this, it we did, earlier. Yeah, yeah, go. He grew
1: up, grew up a Broncos fan, you know, started out as a ball boy as a kid with the Broncos. Yeah. But he didn't get that interview as a head coach. So what better way than put up 70, really show them middle finger in terms of you should have given me an interview. Exactly. But at the same time, that respect, that loyalty for his childhood team didn't want to put them on the face oh. of the record
0: brother give me a break it's ridiculous no do it or don't do it or don't you you hate them you you have resentment you want to show them what's up then do it you did it then don't say oh yeah we really just wanted to lay you scored 70 points what do you mean it's just it's it's just it's not true it's 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 trash it's whatever um Jalen Waddle also we didn't mention this just before we go Waddle did not play (laughs) their second best weapon was not in the game uh, and it didn't didn't seem to matter. So uh, the Dolphins are scary. That's a Super Bowl level type squad. Jalen Ramsey isn't even there yet. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. They they have got some serious things cooking over there. And I think Mike McDaniel the offense is just getting started. I think he's got some tricks up his sleeve left to go. All right, let's go over to the AFC South. Uh, it's sad, uh, you know, obviously. I'm over here in in Nashville. You're over there in Memphis. So we're both here in Tennessee. Neither of us Titans fans, neither of us AFC South fans even, but obviously follow this division closely, follow the Tennessee Titans closely. We're going to get to the Titans. I want to save them for last and talk about them a little bit, Um, but I want to start off just a little humble brag here. Talked about him last week. CJ Stroud. I think he's the best rookie in this. uh, I think he's the best rookie quarterback right now. I'm not going to just count out Anthony Richardson or for that matter, Bryce Young quite yet. But as far as just guys who are going to be really good in this league and here for the next seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, that is C.J. Stroud. I'm comfortable saying that right now. I'm not going to start comparing him to this class. But C.J. Stroud is that level. Um, he's got the fifth-most passing yards in the league right now, 906. And that's with all of these injuries to his offensive line, man. I mean, Laramie Tunsell's been out. He's missed two games. He's had his other tackle, Titus Howard, has been out with a hand injury. He's now on IR. Charlie Hex, now on IR. Uh, Kenyon Green, he's now on IR. Scott Quessenberry, his knees hurt. Uh, their center, their other center, Juice Scruggs, he's got a hamstring injury. I mean, it is unreal right now. Like they're going to have to call me up right now and suit up to get my to get a hand in the dirt. Like that's where he's at right now. And if you look at some of these what uh, what he's able to do with the lack of of up front, just his pocket maneuvering and And not even just maneuvering in the pocket, but creating space, you know, maximizing the turf that he is given, the green space that he has right in front of him and using that and and having that internal clock in his head. These things that are developed over a whole season, over two, three seasons, over time with a coach in a system with veteran weapons that that can teach you along. These things don't just happen in three weeks. They are for C.J. Stroud. Right now, again, 900 yards, zero picks. He does have three fumbles, only one turnover, only one fumble recovered. So he's only got one turnover there. And you just take a look at some of these best rookie quarterback seasons of all time. Uh, there's some good ones, for sure. Just looking at PFF here, and I don't necessarily agree with the overall rankings, one through five or whatever, but they mentioned Russell Wilson in there, uh, 3,100 yards. They mentioned RG3. Uh, 3,200 yards, 20 touchdowns, only five picks for RG3. Man, what a... He was so fun. Uh, Baker Mayfield, who you could consider the best rookie season of all time. Only 14 games, 13 starts. He threw for 3,700 yards, 27 picks, and 14 touchdowns. If you extrapolated out CJ Stroud stats right now, and again, we're three games in. I know. But it's fun. He'd have about 5,100 yards passing, 23 touchdowns, and zero picks. <laughs>
1: I mean, he's doing it too. And, and teams know that the, their only source of offense is through the air and CJ Stroud, uh, Cause Damian Pierce has not had a good start to the lead, to the year. A lot of that due to the fact that their offensive line has been so beat up. Um, So they're, they they're no struggling, they're struggling in any sort of running attack, not to mention pass protection. And the fact that he's still able to put up these numbers it has been fun to watch. And, you look at it too and, and he's using guys in and Nico Collins and Tank Dell to such great lengths. Uh, I mean, these guys are, are you know, wide receivers that I think a lot of people overlooked and and looked at this Texans team and you you'd kinda I feel like during the off season, most people would look at the Texans team and go, Who's their wide receivers? You know, just having to think about it for a second. Uh hell, I'll even say before my fantasy draft I didn't even know Dalton Schultz made the made <laughs> made it over to Houston. Uh, being tired, yeah. Yeah, you know, these so, are things
0: that just kind of, yeah, yeah. Of course, they fly under the radar. The, I mean, the Texans teams like that. You're like, wait, what? They got him. They got him. And you're like, oh wow. And speaking of rookie wide receivers, sorry, Alex. Just to get in your train of thought, there, Tank Dell. How about Tank Dell right now, man? Tank Dell's looking uh, nice. More receiving yards. He looks nice. More receiving yards than Jamar Chase and Debo Samuel, 251. More receptions than Terry McLaurin and Calvin Ridley. More touchdown receiving touchdowns than Jefferson and Diggs. And more yards per reception than DK Metcalf and Tyreek Hill. I know a lot of these are um, just kind of pick and choose stats, but Tank Dell, just for the point of it, Tank Dell's a, a, a real guy. I mean, a real, real wide receiver, and he's he's got Nico Collins you mentioned. He's got John Mechie, who missed last his rookie season. He's kind of coming into his own. He's got a veteran and Bobby Trees, a good route runner, a, a a chain mover, a possession type receiver. And then of course you mentioned Dalton Schultz, a big body. This is I mentioned it last week. It's not this year. It's not next year, but it is, it's It's going to happen. This team is really finding themselves, and D'Amico Ryans was the correct hire. I think we've actually had a couple good coaches. This has been a good coaching year, a good new coaching year right now so far. Again, early in. Shane Steichen, I'm liking it. Jonathan Gannon, I'm liking it. D'Amico Ryans, I'm loving it.
1: Yep, loving it. I mean, they're de- the way their defense has performed through three games, like the, the Texans are going to be in a lot of games this year. Um, You know, week one, they didn't, they didn't look fantastic against the Ravens, but a lot of that you could say is just that debut game with the new head coach, you know, new team. They just didn't, you know, the, the strategy, the game plan wasn't there. Right. For, but I think they learned a lot of their lessons going into week two and they've just been improving week by week. And D'Amico Ryan's is, a great defensive coordinator and you could already see the difference um, in that defense because they were one of the worst units last year um, in which everyone knew you could put up points on them and this year they're they're making it hard to come by and I know that you know something that we we're going to talk about is a Jaguars offense that going into this year high expectations going in uh high expectations for Doug Peterson being the offensive guru that he is and this Houston defense had them all solved on Sunday.
0: They did I mean, they, they will Anderson statistically right now, as far as just pressures are concerned. I mean, he's, he's top five at his position as a rookie. I mean, it looks like they just kind of hit on the Stroud, Will Anderson and D'Amico Ryan's trio. I mean, you're hoping as a franchise, you're hoping, okay, if we can get the quarterback, one more high pick, right. And this coach, Man, that's a home run for us. If you get all three of those right, and it's all of a sudden now you've kind of set up both sides of the ball with franchise blue chip, you know, marquee players. And then you've got your coach just starting out. I mean, and they're 22 years old, and you got your brand new young head coach who's defensive minded. All of a sudden, the franchise really churning, especially in an AFC South. Again, that is sad. Uh, Texans next week will have the Steelers at home. That's going to be a good game.
1: Yeah. It, and, and that's a, another thing with CJ, like he, he's been playing some good defenses to start. I mean, going from the Ravens to the, to the Colts to Jacksonville and now Pittsburgh, these are some tough tests for him to, to come out starting in the league with and the way in which he's performed and which he's taught, you know, for NFL teams, Houston ranks top 10 in, in average team passer rating. So, I mean, CJ is, you know, i just further illustrating your point, Max, CJ has, has really improved. Is really impressed us, um, and I think Houston is is a sleeper to watch in the AFC South. That is going to be very wide open, um, just because of the nature of how weak that division is.
0: You alluded to it. The Jaguars twenty third right now in offensive DVOA. They've got the league worst minus fifteen EBA, EPA lost expected points added minus 15 just for those who don't know lost to dropped passes. Calvin Ridley has a drop in each game, at least one. I think he's got four right now. I'd have to double check that. I've got my brother in the room. He can, he can let me know about that. Calvin Ridley, it's three or four drops. I mean, he's had at least one every game Um, and they only ranked 18th on added EPA for completed passes. Uh, I mean, just right now you look at some of these other offensive stats. um, They're minus 36.1 expected points added on offense, which is ahead of only the Steelers. And the Jets. So this is the kind of tier that they're in offensively. And and it's troubling, Alex, because there's lots of things. You know, the Bengals, you point to uh, the Joe Burrow injury. You know, T. Higgins, the offensive line isn't awesome. I think the stats that you're seeing on Bengals' offensive line, if you're seeing shit on Twitter, I, I don't think you should believe it. Go watch that offensive line. It has not been what a lot of the pressure statistics will display. But there aren't the... Th- as many things to point to with the Jags. Sure, you could maybe point to some offensive line struggles, um, obviously losing their right tackle and Jawan Taylor having to replace him this season. You can point to some things like that, but everything else has pretty much stayed the same and they added Calvin Ridley and you've got one of the better offensive minds in in the league and Doug Peterson. So I'm struggling, man, I'm struggling. I I, I mean, I was all in on Trevor Lawrence this year. I, I, I,
1: I really don't understand it. Um, I mean, they, week one, they looked all right, you know, for a debut game against the Colts And you know, my expectations were, okay, you know, this team will be able to put up, you know, 20 points a game easily. And, and I thought that they would run away with the division easily as well. I had them ranked as a a third seed going into the playoffs this season. Um, so for them to struggle the way they have the Chiefs game, they just look like the classic Jack, like no source of offense, no real creativity with it. Um, and for all the weapons that they have on that side of the ball with, you know, the running, ra- running back room and that, that they have with the young guys and Travis Etienne and tank Bigsby, um, with mm-hmm. the wide receivers and Kirk Zay Jones, um, and Calvin Ridley, like you mentioned, you have Evan Ingram at tight end. I know that the, the offensive line was a question mark going in, but like you mentioned, they have, it's not as though the offensive line has just been, torturous and you know trevor lawrence is getting sacked almost every play it's not the case they're performing as a middle of of the league unit um but yet they're struggling to pull points on the board certainly doesn't help you when your kicker misses two field goals on sunday but yes yes i mean it, still the it's just it's not clicking right now uh you know we talked about the eagles earlier how it's not clicked yet so far this season, I think the Jags are very much on the same boat offensively.
0: And, yeah, you see uh, I mentioned the Jags, nine dropped passes through this week. Sorry, I don't see it, Asher. Where is it at? Oh, the last two weeks we've seen Ridley catch just – oh, this is perfect. Right. This, uh, this is why we got a fact checker in here. Have seen Ridley catch just five of his 15 targets for 72 yards – 33.3% catch rate, 4.8 yards per target in that span for Calvin Ridley. And as a result of four drops in two weeks, Ridley now leads all NFL receivers with 10 targets or more in drops. Um, and he's number five in drop rate. So what started out is like, oh, wow, Calvin Ridley, he's back. He's fresh. He's missed a couple of seasons. So he's going to have those legs. And it it, lo- it looks like that. But then these past two seasons, it's, it's not been there just from – everything else has, has not been where it needs to be. So I, I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, It's early. I'm concerned about the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I know this division is wide open. Um, but you, you mentioned, we mentioned the Texans and how they're, they're hot. And now we'll get to the Colts here. Um, I say the Texans are hot. The Texans are figuring things out. And I, and to say they're hot is maybe a little bit of an overstatement, but this is a Texans team that has a lot of confidence and is coming into their own and has some firepower. That's what we'll say. I'll edit that statement a bit. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, they're, they're leading this division 2-1 and one right now. I, I thought they were going to be the worst team in this, this division. I did. And I guess I'm just wrong. I still don't fully understand why um, they're 15th right now overall in uh, the DVO rate D V O A rating rankings. So we'll see uh, where they end up. I mean, what are your overall thoughts on the Colts? I'm just kind of like meh uh-uh, on the Colts. I know they could win this division. I know I need to start really tapping into it, but I just, I just don't see it. Go going into the season, you know, expectations were very low for them and
1: I did not think they were going to be a very good team. I thought they would kind of be a three, four win team. Just kind of sneak around there. But after the week one performance against Jacksonville within division, they did lose that game, yes. But I was pleasantly surprised with how well Anthony Richardson seemed to play out the gate. Like, did he have some rookie mistakes? Absolutely. Fumbled a ball through threw an interception the first week. Then you look mm-hmm. at week two, the two rushing touchdowns that he had against the Texans. He looked great. Unfortunately, gets a concussion. Then you, you go into this week with Gardner Minshew at quarterback and they pulled out a win against a Baltimore team that they probably should have had no business pulling out the win against. Bad call from the referees on the pass interference call that didn't go Baltimore's way um, in overtime, but still, the Colts have been hanging around um, the last three weeks in, in each of the games in which they've played. Um, this defensive front seven is still strong. Um, you got to force Buckner down on that defensive line. You've got Darius Leonard leading the linebacking core they're going to be able to keep this team within games defensively. Um, it, the question has just been offensively how they would hold up, especially when you're not having Jonathan Taylor. Um, and Zach Moss has been unreal the last two weeks running the ball. So He has. He has. <laughs> for for them, I, just the way in which they've played the last three weeks, it's it's completely changed my opinion on them to where, you know, for one, I think it's a, a lot to do with how Jacksonville last two weeks hasn't looked very convincing. And it, you know, this division as a whole looks pretty weak in terms of, you know, first a team with nine wins will be the team that wins the division. Um, (laughs) It it makes me think that the Colts will be able to hang around there with five or six wins, especially when they're pulling ones out of the hat, like they did Baltimore on Sunday.
0: Yeah. A win like that. You're right. Changes the whole division. You win a game. You're not supposed to, which is just going to be something that's rare in this division. It just, it's just going to be. So yeah, you're right. And and, and honestly, Gardner Minshew gives them a better chance to do so. I uh, Anthony Richardson was my favorite quarterback coming out of this class. Um, obviously you guys can see I'm in a little bit of a CJ Stroud love fest, but AR a- is immensely talented and has all the tools. I don't know what they're going to do with him as far as just if they're going to bring him back. I don't, I haven't heard word on that, Alex. I don't know if you've got any word on that. Is he going to be back next week? Are they going to start Gardner? I, I haven't even looked.
1: I have no idea.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't know what the plan is for them yet, but that's something to monitor. Obviously, uh, leading that division right now is the Indianapolis Colts. So so good for them after what was just such a roller coaster of an offseason for them with the Jonathan Taylor and just everything re- revolving around Indianapolis was was chaotic to say the least. So for them to be early on here leading that division is good. And now we'll go to our the hometown state, the two-tone blue, Tennessee Titans. Man, not the weekend they wanted. 27-3 to 3 loss to Cleveland Browns. Just got outmanned, outstrength, out game planned. It was embarrassing. You know, at the end of that game. They're already down 27-3. to The game's fucking over. Everyone's still in the game for, for the Cleveland Browns. They don't care. I, I love it. I mean, this defense is is awesome. And it's not even like a, a – you can't even compare it to the Dolphins because this is a Titans team that's still technically trying to win. I mean, it wasn't like there was 30 seconds on the clock. There's like five or six minutes on the clock or, or something. It's, it's late in the fourth quarter, and you've got a delay of game because you've got two tight ends going side to side of the line of scrimmage following – Miles Garrett, when have you seen a defensive player in motion and the offense reacting to that player motioning back and forth? That's how scared they were of number 95 and Miles Garrett and the rest of that defense as well just absolutely emits fear out of their opponents constantly, and, and they should. And this Titans offense, they've got the worst offensive line in football, Alex. There are things in football where you can make it with having the worst of something um the offensive line is is just not one of them it's really hard um, I, I, you could even have the worst yeah you go
1: Matt I was about to throw out the question which offensive line is worse the Giants or the Titans because they've both been by far the two worst offensive lines I've seen this so far this season
0: I, I think it's the Titans man I do I do I think it's the Titans Andre Dillard has allowed six sacks this season and then there's like a five-way tie um, for other for other offensive linemen at like three. He's allowed double the amount of sacks that anyone else has. I mean, he's just getting absolutely toasted each and every rep. I don't know what they're gonna do with him. I mean, last year the Titans offensive line was an absolute travesty as well. I mean, there, there, there's no doubt they had the same issue. Um, they went out and got Skoransky at the guard position. He's been good, couldn't play last week. They were missing their you know, their best player on the offensive line, who's a rookie, by the way. That never is a position you want to be in. Even if they're fantastic, it's just not what you want to be in. A- and you look at the, Dennis Daly, uh, their tackle last year, who was, uh, again, a- another huge problem as far as just moving the chains in the offense. Dennis Daly was a constant name that was brought up in a negative connotation because he was ass. And he allowed 12 sacks last season. Andre Dillard is currently on pace for 34 sacks this year. 34. Yeah. That's where they're at. That's where the Tennessee Titans are at. They have to do something. If they want to win this division, and and if that's not their plan, that's completely fine. Uh, You know, there was a while where I thought they should have tanked, and after they got DeAndre Hopkins, I said, okay, this team can actually do something. The defense is good. They've got some weapons now. Tannehill isn't bad. If they can just figure out the guys up front. The five fat ones up front—they just need to get it figured out, and they haven't been able to. Man, it's worse than I thought it was going to be. I knew it could be really bad. I knew there was potential for thirty-two, for thirty-second ranked offensive line, but it's—it's so bad.
1: Mac, remember episode one? We were talking about Tannehill, and and, you know he looked bad in the in the New Orleans game, and you know we talked about how much how much longer that do the Titans, you know, continue to start Tannehill. When do they start? Looking at Malik Willis or or Will Levis, it doesn't matter who they put under center when this offensive matter. line can't can't hold up against anyone. I mean, the fact that you use would... two tight ends to to try to stop in some way Miles Garrett along with your five offensive linemen, I mean, it should speak volumes as to just how bad it is.
0: No, it's embarrassing, uh, and I don't really know. I- you can go look at free agents you can try and make a trade you can do something there are things that you could do you could you could call up Taylor Lewan and say hey could you gain 30 40 pounds back and Taylor Lewan come back to us Taylor
1: Lewan contributed to being one of the worst offensive lines last year prior to him getting hurt Ex-
0: Exactly and prior to him getting hurt again the year before that I mean so I don't know I, I really don't know what they want to do I would argue that bringing in Malik or Will Levis would actually be detrimental to their their progress as a quarterback and their you know development at that position, I, I would argue that that would be n- just have negative effects. Yeah, so I think you keep Tannehill in.
1: You you wouldn't get a fair assessment on either of those two uh, by putting them behind this offensive line because what what are what are they to learn when they have to get rid of the ball within two seconds for fear of getting hit? I, I mean it's just. Now, now they're really screwed because building a good offensive line takes you two to three seasons to to be one of the better ones in the league. Uh, because you know, offensive line, good offensive linemen are can be hard to come by. Uh, it can be difficult to acquire, <laughs> and so for them, it you know, Mac, they could they could sign guys off the street. They could pick. They can find trades to get some backup somewhere and get some starters, which may be an improvement for them because of how bad their offensive line has performed but still it's not like it's drastically going to improve to them being one of the better units in the league or even being an average one that they that's when you start a season with an offensive line there's not much improvement that can go on from there and for the titans too their dna has been running the football every year right and now when you look at derrick henry for his inefficiency so far this year behind that offensive line and not being able to to run it at a great rate that, you know, they have no source of offense and what are you, what are you going to do when you can't put points on the board, no matter how many stops your defense is going to come up with every game?
0: I mean, that brings me to my next question, which I think we've already kind of answered here with these stats. And I hope people can realize that because this has been a big conversation on Twitter. Is Derek Henry done? Is he done? Is 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 the king been dethroned? I I want to say no, because I
1: they they've played great defenses to start the year, for one. Um, when you look at you know week and one,
0: Cleveland may be the best defense, and Cleveland yeah. may be the the best defense in the league. Cle-
1: Cleveland, New Orleans is is always a good rush defense as well. You know San Diego yep. or I'm sorry Los Angeles Chargers, you know very <laughs> average rush defense, but you know,
0: I mean, piss poor the last two years. I don't know how they've been this year as of yet. The first three weeks, but they were, uh, you know, bottom five the last couple years in rush in rush defense.
1: I, I'm not going to say it just yet because I feel like if you still were to put them behind a a decent offensive line, Derrick Henry would still be efficient. Uh, but I, it's definitely a, a question worth asking, um, especially as we get later into the season because. If the trend continues, then you have to say so, especially for how many carries uh, he's got on on his body, the toll it's taken, uh, the injuries he's been playing through the last couple years. It's definitely a question worth asking.
0: And Derek Henry, I mean, he's close to being the all-time leading rushing rushing leader as a Tennessee Titan. Right now, third, he's about 70-some-odd yards away from uh, Earl Campbell and then Eddie George is just eclipsed 10,000, and of course, Derek Henry right now at just under 8,500. So he's about you know this season and maybe in another season away from being the Titans all-time leading rusher, but he's got to get there first. He's got to make it past that. I don't think he's done. I don't think he's what he was, but I would have said that before the season started. I don't think he's as fast. He doesn't have the burst, the separation ability that he had in previous seasons, but I think we already pretty much knew that. I still think he's a yards-after-contact monster. I still think no one wants to get in front of him or tackle him. And you know what? At his peak, he was maybe the fastest person on the field or the second or third fastest person on the field at any given time. Him now being the sixth or seventh, I mean, yeah, it's going to change some big plays. His big playability has gone down. There's no question about it. But those seven, eight, nine, ten-yard runs, that, that he's he's still able to pull those off. And if he had a couple of blockers in front of him, I think it'd be more common than not. Uh, so, no, I don't think Derrick Henry's done. But as far as him being the best or second best running back in this league, yeah, I think you'd probably kiss that goodbye. Uh, l- let's get over to just real quick here, Alex. Uh, keep an eye on it. This is just, we just keep an eye on some things, just things to monitor uh we'll just go through a couple of these cardinals eighth in the nfl offensive efficiency cardinals are good josh jobs go love what's happening right there really happy for him and this is kind of a fun team i mean they beat they just beat the cowboys obviously and now they're going to go on and face the san francisco 49ers i mean the fact that they get one win out of those two games is huge um they'll have the chance obviously for two we'll see what happens um and then we mentioned earlier uh we're going to have I mean, as Bill Simmons would say, the poopfecta of all poopfectas, the Broncos and the Bears next week. I don't even know. It's worse than that. This is just in all time, just crazy. This is going to be really, really bad. So I'm excited to watch that. Um, we had two score this week Broncos, Dolphins, 20 to 70. It never happened. Eagles, Bucks last night on Monday, 25 to 11. So that's pretty cool. We'll keep you updated with the score and then uh, something to keep an eye on too uh, why haven't we heard anything about Cooper cup? what's going on? I just think I would have seen a tweet that's just like he's running routes he's with the team he's he's back with his personal trainer he looks good I haven't seen any of that so well I, I something don't to keep think keep eye on I don't
1: think he's eligible to start practicing with them until maybe this week or after this week um, because I know he's eligible to come back to actually start playing. Um, week five or six against Philadelphia. Um, so I'd, we'd have to double check that on what week that is. But I know he's eligible to come back to play um, once they play Philadelphia. But at, I, I believe McVeigh has said already that he's not sure he'll be ready to roll that first game. He's eligible to come back off the IR.
0: It's a good point. I still, it's still weird that I haven't seen anything. I mean, not a update. I think is still something to to keep an eye on. It's, it is very strange, and I, I don't think it's normal. I don't, I don't think this is normal at this point. He was supposed to be gearing up and getting back here pretty soon. And I still haven't seen a tweet about where he's at, so I, I'd be a little concerned about that if I was an LA Rams fan. And you hope that Puka and Tutu can kind of just keep this going, uh, so because you're gonna need it. Uh, let's get over to just before we get out of here. We started last week crossing off teams from playoff contention. We crossed off three teams last week, Alex. Well, we crossed. We each crossed off two together, and then I crossed off the Broncos, and you crossed off, I believe it was Panthers. was it the Bears, Panthers, the Panthers. Panthers, which yeah, that's that's pretty bad team, maybe the worst team. So that's fair. Uh, who are we crossing off this week, man? Who's done? Who's out? Call it quits. All right. So, so are
1: we sticking to it with one per week?
0: I think there will be some weeks where we do more, some weeks where we don't do any. But yeah, let's do one this week.
1: One this week. All right. So, because you got got in early on the Broncos train, I'm going to get in early on this team and hope I could recoup the points that you will be getting with your Broncos pick because that does look lo- likely. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots as a cross off.
0: Wow. Wow, okay. That's a good call. That's a good call. I mean, okay. uh, offense has looked We need to putrid. We, and, and, and we need to we Yes.
1: D- defense look, defense will keep them in games, but I mean, Mac Jones just is not going to. They're going to be looking for a new quarterback. Um, offensively, the, the weapons he has to work with, the best weapon he's got is Hunter Henry. Um, I mean, when you look at the wide receivers that they have, they, they lost Jacoby Myers to Las Vegas, so he's got Kendrick Bourne and Devonte Parker. And Devonte P- Parker, historically throughout his career, has always struggled through injury. Um, and then you also have Juju Smith Junior. Uh, J- Juju Smith Schuster uh who you know reports going into the season where his knee were was is a major liability. Um so I, I just have no confidence in, in their offense being able to put up points, especially too in a division with the two as we talked about earlier, the Bills and the Dolphins, who are both high scoring offenses. Uh, I mean against both those teams. They've already lost one dropped one to Miami. I don't think they could beat the bills or Miami this year and the jets, they barely got by. So I i just, I'm going to go ahead and say the Patriots are not going to be making the playoffs this year.
0: I like that take. Um, I don't know exactly e- how this point system works yet. Cause you kind of just set it up on the fly last week, which I like, by the way, I'm like that this is a little competition. Now I just don't know how quite the rules go. So I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to do, but I do like that. T- I do like that idea um for the patriots to be crossed off i'll go no let's just let's just go one by one i'll get rid of my division here pretty quickly let's just go with the raiders let's cross them off let's cross off las vegas i've already crossed off the donkeys why not cross them both off neither of them are making it
1: i i thought you were about to say the chargers for a second
0: no i wanted to (laughs) i wanted to no no if they would (laughs) have lost this week i would have i would have done it but no, I think there's definitely still a chance for them to turn it around. And the way that Her, Her, Justin Herbert is been an absolute madman. He's he's just been flawless. I mean, it's it's when he gets in his bag and he starts getting comfortable and starts kind of putting the team on his back and and gets that sort of determination, it it is the only person who can stop him is his own head coach. That's that's pretty much it. It's Brandon Staley. That's who's stopping him from winning more games. So uh and speaking of games we've got some good ones next week obviously broncos bears poop vecta make sure you watch that some other good ones ravens browns gonna be an absolute just those afc north games are just they're mean they're tough games it's gonna be fun they're both tied for the lead in that division to gain some sole possession um, of that division sole lead of that division and then uh another good game let's go with two more here uh obviously bills dolphins and then we'll go Bucks, Saints, a couple of just division matchups next week really starting to come into play here as the full picture is being painted us, what these divisions may look like, what the playoff pictures are starting to be formulated as. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be interesting to see where we go next and uh
1: wait, yeah. Back. So we've
0: got some cross off teams. There it is. Back,
1: yeah. I think they flexed the Broncos Bears
0: game. To what? To never? To
1: to Sunday at 12 o'clock. It looks like it's now Seahawks-Giants. This is according to Google.
0: You're right. You're right. I'm looking at it right now. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Good call. Monday night football was about to be Broncos and Bears. Good call. And hey, the G-men. The G-men get a little primetime action here. Daniel Jones, a a chance to... Mac, the last Re- primetime game didn't go too well for them this season. <laughs> this is the chance to change the narrative in front of, uh, you know, 45 million people or whatever it's going to be. I'm excited. You know, that game has the chance to be okay, Seahawks-Giants. Yep. That actually that could be at New York, at MetLife. Let's go. Let's go, Alex. I'm going to have some confidence for you guys yep. um, and, before you all get trounced and, by 14 or 17 or whatever okay. it
1: is no no need to throw in that that latter <laughs> portion right there cuz i i was about to say watching the seahawks i i've liked watching the seahawks this year i, I think they're a fun team to watch so i i like that monday i mean any monday on, any game on this weekend would have been better than broncos bears so
0: yeah stick that in at noon and just stick that in a four box on youtube tv when you're watching and just get a chuckle every now and then Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm going to actually stick those links in the bio this time on our Twitter. So make sure you go follow us. That'll be where you can kind of see our takes throughout the week, what we're looking at. And if you've got anything that you want to add to the show, any questions or uh, any sort of topics like that, uh, email us, bboxscore at gmail.com. So excited you guys were able to join us. And uh, we will be back next wednesday with another edition of the behind the box score podcast don't worry it'll be all too well i know i couldn't do it i i I couldn't i couldn't get another taylor swift pun in anyways we'll have more taylor swift puns next week (laughs) thanks guys